0: everybody welcome to Vassals of kingsgrove where we are going to discuss some of the major oscar contenders with a special focus on some films that we love including poor things and the holdovers my name is vena 007 i will be your host today and i am joined today by stephanie Hi, hey, i am steph or gsdg on the forums And we will be joined momentarily by Julia, a.k.a. No True Lady. And this started off really being a Poor Things review, but uh, Stephanie and I recorded a Holdovers episode that was lost to the Darkling Plains because I forgot to tell Stephanie (laughs) you have to download uh, the recording from Craig on the Discord within a week. So hopefully we're gonna to get to that too. And I thought really maybe a way to approach this short movie podcast is to go through the Oscar nominations and we can talk about the films that we've seen, whether we think they were, you know, awarded the right number of noms or anything was overlooked and just take more time over the films that we really love. So in general, Stephanie, like how much attention do you pay to award shows? Do you give a crap? Do you think they hold any value? <laughs> um.
1: Not so much. But then, of course, if something I like is nominated, I go hard for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true, isn't it? I mean, to a certain extent, all of these award shows are very silly and there are very famous cases of films that were overlooked that we would now think of as masterpieces. Um, But they do, I think, especially for the smaller independent films they really do meaningfully add to the bottom line and to the commercial success. So I think the nominations almost matter more to the smaller films and getting those directors and producers funding their next project. So they can be quite influential.
1: Yeah, and like, I don't have the bandwidth to, you know, like agonize over the inside baseball of everything. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, just as a lay person, sure, you can appreciate someone's body of work and be happy that they're you know like they finally got it even if they weren't like you know that particular thing didn't really stand out to you but yeah exactly uh i don't know i think last year stephanie she was robbed but (laughs) you know it's uh there are always years uh,
0: where they're rectifying right like scorsese finally winning for aviator which i don't think anyone really thinks is in his top 10 films but and And then it goes on and on, doesn't it? Because then you have to you knock someone else out who probably should have got one. Um, right. so the the infamous decisions go on. It's worth saying also that, as with all of these voting um cohorts, this is industry insiders. Once you're allowed to vote, you're never taken off the rolls. so it skews older, whiter male. They have tried to sort of diversify the voting ranks um, of late, but it still remains a sort of a very particular closed demographic that's voting and also people who really are industry insiders so you know.
1: Yeah, but, you know, that said, you know, I'm happy this year that The Holdovers was getting some recognition at, what was it? The Golden Globes. So, hope that
0: continues. Yeah, and I think there is something to that older, skewing demographic that a film like The Holdovers probably gets more love because it's a 70s yeah. film that feels like a 70s film, which are the films we love. Um
1: And, you know, and- how many members of the Academy went to a boarding school like that, so.
0: <laughs> exactly. Okay, well let's get into it. Let's start off with Oppenheimer. So Oppenheimer has 13 nominations, which is a lot. Apparently only La La Land, Titanic um, have received more nominations. Oh, and of course the iconic All About Eve, which is one of my favourite all-time films. So. It's done really well. I feel like Christopher Nolan, who's been so often overlooked, is just feeling the love on this film. It's like the Academy has suddenly realized, shit, you know, this guy's done an amazing body of work. This is a great film. We need to show him some love. Um, the most nominated film, how do you feel about that? Is this your kind of film? Did you enjoy it? Have you seen it?
1: Uh, no, I gave it a one on the Vassals of Kingscrew thing. I don't know if that ever came out, but uh, I don't. Re- I didn't regret seeing the film. I saw it in a double feature with Barbie as God intended, but the uh, I, it wasn't my film. I'm it you know, it's just like something about, you know, just like Oppenheimer's Martyr Complex just didn't really get to me. I wasn't big on the Cheaters Never Prosper style of
0: structure to the entire film. So. Oh interesting. Up until now, a lot of Chris Nolan films haven't done it for me. I've been left very cold by them. I'm not that into science or, or sci-fi or debating physics. And I remember coming out of Dunkirk, which was his other World War II movie. And I'd seen it on preview. So no one else had written a review that was up on IMDb. I don't know why. And I really slated it. And I, I mean, he has very big fanboys who are very aggressive and nasty on the internet. And they absolutely came after me. They were like, you haven't seen it. This is just lies. Because they couldn't fathom the idea that someone just didn't like his films. And for me, Mm -hmm. Nolan, up until this film, was always the guy who was technically superb. I mean, just a cineast, technically working in the medium of celluloid film at a level beyond everyone else. Just sound design, in-camera effects, just technically superb but I never cared about his characters. Whereas with Oppenheimer, I really found the character or the person who is Oppenheimer fascinating. I found the person of Strauss, the RDJ character, even more fascinating. I love these sort of flawed anti-hero characters. So I found a lot you get really into on the human side as well as the technical side. So for me, it was kind of like in 2023, I felt there were three films that were just operates above and beyond all others technically so Oppenheimer poor things in zone of interest so I was really pleased to see this get all the love I mean it is interesting because it's a real mix if I look at those 13 it's got best picture best directing for Nolan actor for Cillian Murphy supporting actor Robert Downey Jr agree um, cinematographer Hoyt von Hoytema agree costume editing makeup Score: Ludwig Göransson. Production design, sound design, adapted screenplay. I'm kind of cool with all of them. I probably wouldn't have given Emily Blunt best supporting actress. I just felt there were better performances out there last year. Quite a small role. Yeah,
1: I mean, I know like Christopher Nolan just does not think that women have interior lives, but the, <laughs> uh, you know, like there was that point during like, you know, like as like the you know like political pressure is closing in on Oppenheimer, and you know she's just. Reduced to just like, you know, like screaming about, we're going to lose the house.
0: Yeah, I didn't appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, both women, right? Even the Florence Pugh character, just very, these, yeah, women, this is not really, I don't know, like, if if I was the finer floor in this film, it would be the depiction of women and the female characters. And to me, Emily Blunt, she's not an actress I particularly respond to, so I thought that was overdone. But overall, I was kind of happy that it it went out. Wait, uh, wasn't, I wasn't. I
1: liked Emily Blunt in The Devil Wears Prada. I don't know. Maybe I'm just that age where you know that's a very uh, formative movie for me but
0: <laughs> yeah the funny jokey cameo i think she's quite funny i don't like her in serious films
2: oh i did want to say uh, about oppenheimer i think that Oppenheimer's going to win best picture
0: um honestly yes, sure. uh yeah um it's got a lock-on and, picture, uh, directing, best actor, best supporting mm-hmm. actor. I think yes. it's going to go all those, yes. for sure. Yes,
2: but, but just like with Poor Things, um, Oppenheimer, I do think, is Chris Nolan's masterpiece, Where whereas before I thought it was Inception. But he, he really again, took all the aspects of what he does and applied it in a, a slightly different way to really just bring out something really special.
0: Yeah, it's his so, um, yeah. I feel. Like they're going to give it to him because they feel they're going to award a body of work, basically. Um, exactly. Which is exactly. Which is I, but I funny. think Emma Stone's going to win Best Actress. I mean, Killian Murphy, Angry. I think, is a lock for Best Actor. Um, yeah. Let's get into Poor Things. So, the next highest nominated film, which to me is something of a miracle, is Poor Things. It has 11 nominations, which is a lot, which to me, for a very sexually explicit, very ideas forward, kind of weird, freaky, gothic, steampunk, sexy, weird ass movie. Is <laughs> is just a miracle. I love when an independent movie like this, and I know Jorgos Lanthimos the director had success with *The Favorite*, so he wasn't an unknown. But I love, I love that the Academy has given this so many awards. So this is up for. Best picture, directing, supporting actor for Ruffalo. Having the time of his life. I really hope he gets it. Actress Emma Stone, uh, cinematography, Robbie Ryan. Costume design, which is just absolutely wacky, Victoriana, plastics, nude. It's all over the place, right? It's just so cool. <laughs> young, young costume designer called Holly Waddington. I want to go inside her mind. She just seems very cool. Editing, mm. makeup. Amazingly weird, wacky score by some young person called Yeskin Fenricks which I just think is a hilarious name, production design and adapted screenplay. So it's kind of one technical acting, everything, not one, being nominated for. Um, we've not discussed this on Vogue before. Like, obviously, I said that for me, this with Oppenheimer and Zame of Interest were not even five star films. They were so beyond everything else I saw last year. How did you find poor Things?
1: This is one of the best films I've seen this year. Uh- mm-hmm. It's very, you know, yeah, just like I, I love the how it's how unafraid to be weird it is. I love Emma Stone's, you know, combination of, you know, like even in like you know, like the sets and the costuming and like you know, like Emma Stone's combination of you know, like big ruffled vulvular, you know, Victorian blouses with like her mini skirt and go-go boots uh <laughs> you know like how you just casually they have you know they cgi'd in those uh like like those like hybrid you know animals in the the professor's garden <laughs> yeah
0: the hop and hop um, animals.
1: yes and the you know like i i love how you know and look they look look i am big or I'm not into the born sexy yesterday trope that this is called that they're making fun of here. So, you know, like I when I was a kid before like, you know, like I watched the fifth element and I hated it. So because of the love interest character. And and I know that that's that's very like uh blasphemous to a certain quarter of nerd them, and I'm sorry that I don't like your thing. But, but I... <laughs> but you know it was like that was just like way before like it had or like people or the internet decided on a name for it right so i love that you know it was a stroke of genius to have this character leave the only guy she's ever been with <laughs> and to, you know, go on that rant of, oh, once she had sex with that guy in the brothel, she was like, oh, well, now it's actually improved our relationship
0: because now I do know how good I have it. <laughs> 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 Thanks. Or, or, thank you, babe. <laughs> but in a way, I think it is. I mean, far more in, in some senses than Barbie It is a powerful feminist movie. Or is it? maybe not even feminist, just sex positive. This idea of this character who knows no shame, she discovers sex as she discovers anything else. And this woman who made us kind of like an experimental plaything by quote unquote God, is going to discover her sexuality. She's also going to discover intellectual maturity. I mean, one of my favourite scenes is when Mark Ruffalo's character Wedderburn throws her book off the boat, and then the very rich European You're woman in my son. gives her another one. Yeah, just gives it an iconic actress gives her another one. So it's a woman who's discovering control over her own sexuality, her intellectual maturity. Discovers that actually she had been, you know, she she's got the scar from the cesarean section, so control over your own fertility, which is a big theme now, sadly, in politics. To me, it's like this really gonzo crazy I mean it's so much fun. You've got to see it as a dark comedy, but kind of mm-hmm. subversively is giving you all this politics as well, which I loved. I just loved it. Right, and it's about a dark comedy
1: <laughs> in a different way than the favorite.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. you know, to succeed at one black comedy
1: is the feat right because you have to really thread a needle but to do it to do two separate ones in two very different ways on you know like as
0: a man talking about misogyny both times yeah and if you if you watch i mean his earlier films they're all well not all killing of a Sacred deer isn't really but if you watch one of his first films lobster which is a kind of satire of societal pressure to date and find a partner sort of very sort of you know Heteronormative, mm, yeah. all those pressures—it's that—is so dark. I mean, in a way, these recent ones are lighter, but I just think Yorgos Lanthimos is one of the most fascinating, fascinating directors working today. And Emma Stone is so brave. I mean, like physically brave to do this role because of the nudity, and but just mm. like thinking of films that she's done, like even um, Birdman, and you know, she she picks interesting films. I think. Yeah, um, I really no, hope I, I
1: think. Yeah, I know, I I, I want to give this a 5 out of 5, but, you know, it's it's been a thought in the back of my head the last few days that... They showed her going to town on those oysters, and she's having this huge sexual awakening, but they're not showing her going <laughs> down on a
0: woman. Yeah, true. <laughs>
1: well, that,
0: that's more about the MPAA than anything else, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, I mean, she's receiving, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anything else you want to say about poor things? Uh, yeah, I mean, just like, yeah, I mean,
1: I, I had to look away from a lot of the surgery bits but but this is still a great film, right I was just talking about how like I really want to give it a five so I think this is like this is like a smarter film than the holdovers but you know like the holdovers has you know more heart and so that's that I think that makes it like just edges it out for me but but yeah this is this is such a smart subversive film and you know like teaching women that they should masturbate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, basically. I mean, like, I think that in a way, I love The Holdovers too. You know that The Holdovers has my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's the film I think that in years to come, I will watch the most out of all of these films. But mm-hmm. I feel that it's a film that could have been made in 1976. It's it's a film that is the best of its kind, whereas I think Poor Things is just doing something bigger, bolder, braver, more sort of mm-hmm. insane, basically. So, Julia, great for you to join us. What do you think of poor things? So, first of all, I apologize for my lateness. Um,
2: I was helping my father, God, um, down in the laboratory uh, by mutilating a cadaver. Um, so, uh, <laughs> naturally. and, uh, and Steph- Yes. And Stephanie, cheese to meet you. Um, yes. Now, nice to meet um, you. I'm- I'm- Yes, I have unfortunately not seen all the Oscar nominated films. I I think I've only seen Oppenheimer which I loved and Poor Things which I loved. So, um Poor That's Things okay. it's Yeah, Poor <laughs> Things, all the lemon cakes, I adored it. Um I didn't know really what to expect going in uh, because the director um yeah, what, Yorgos uh Lanthimos Lath- Lath- Lanthimos. Lath- Lath- um he, his stuff scares me. Um generally speaking, um I understand what he's trying to get at, you know, with, with his films, but it really normally isn't my thing. Um, I had previously seen The Favorite, which I thought I was going to enjoy, but I had no background in I'm mean, like I knew about his movies, but I hadn't seen them. So I ended up walking out of that when I came out like very like viscerally upset. So <laughs> going into this, going into poor things, I had this feeling of all right. I know what to expect. And then when it had a happy ending and a really positive message, I was like, oh, I, I was I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, this that, is happy. So. <laughs> yes. that Well, well, there was definitely a lot of uncomfortable parts. That was sort of the point. But so it was, it was basically a very positive movie with positive um messages um but in his sort of like standard like this is going to make you a little uncomfortable just so you know and and so i i ended up really enjoying that uh and the discomfort's kind of the be- point
0: isn't it it's like why is this yeah. making you uncomfortable it's because you guys have grown up with shane around sex and nudity and what does she call it furious jumping with what it burn and yes. it's kind of, let yes. me just show you this stuff and you're going to feel just i'm un- uncomfortable about it but Ask yourselves why, and can you be more Bella? Like, be more Bella. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I liked that part of the movie, in that it, it did challenge us. But even though I was sitting there uncomfortable for a lot of the sex scenes, which, you know, again, that's that was the point um but i did also laugh a lot i found this to be a pretty funny movie but like the laughs were just yeah. kind of like wow like and also deliberately like this is so.
0: yeah yes. it's it's a comedy it's a black comedy um, mm-hmm. were you surprised it got so many noms i mean it's got 11 only losing to oppenheimer with 13 i mean it kind of <sighs> Makes me happy that the academy, which is supposed to be this male, sale, pale demographic cohort, can give so many nominations to such a radical, crazy gonzo film.
2: Um, I think it's just because everything in it was so well crafted, and as you, you can mm. sort of you can see um, the progression of of the works of of the director of the actress he's worked with. He's worked with Emma Stone in The Favorite. Um, yeah. So really that's how you can appreciate it is you know sort of like this sort of capstone of all his previous works and i think that that's very much what's being recognized of like this guy's out here doing really really interesting unusual things and um i wasn't after i saw it i wasn't surprised just because of what i was Stone did in the movie i thought for sure she's going to get a best actress nomin best actress there's going to mm-hmm. be you know some technical I've, I've always figured there's going to be some technical nominations like did it guest get, get a nomination for best costume yes it did okay like i knew those two for sure and i already know that for halloween i can get a bella cos- cosplay because i do want to be more bella um but yeah i i hadn't thought about it in terms of like i was surprised that i gotten so many nominations uh but i guess i guess yeah that is one way to think of it but like overall with this year in movies and the oscar nominations and all the other awards we've been seeing movies are back in a big way like a big way yeah
0: I think this was the yeah. the big post-COVID year. So the quality mm-hmm. of movies last year was phenomenal. I think next year, well, this year, let's see what happens with the strikes. But I have to say that coming mm-hmm. into, I watched most of these at the London Film Festival and it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's a second tier festival. So it's kind of best of the rest. And the, the mm-hmm. films that came in with Buzz, like everyone was talking about were you've mm-hmm. got to see poor things and you've got to mm-hmm. see zone of interest coming in from Cannes. So poor things coming in from Venice. Those were the films that, Everyone was like, oh, my God, these films are amazing. Um, An Anatomy of a Fall, actually. Okay, so anything
2: else from either of you on poor things? I have not read the book it was based on. It was based on a book that came out in the early 90s. um, And I'm glad it took this long for a film adaptation because it had, it's the sort of story that has to wait for the right combination of time, of place, of people involved. Um, and, and yes, just that because they decided to make this sort of a steampunk, you know, late Victorian fantasy, they, it, it did have to wait for us to get to a certain point in visual effects to yeah, really make that
0: world. Believable, so um and maybe acceptability for female nudity and sexuality, although we're not all the way there. Yeah, yet. and
2: male and male and male nudity as well, yeah, which absolutely. was very very unflinching throughout this film. God bless um, Mark Ruffalo;
0: he was brave too.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's not a young guy anymore, and it's not it's not necessarily easy when you are young. So, um, but it, they, I felt like they were out there having fun, and that they looked like they're having with,
0: a lot of fun. I mean, Ruffalo yeah. looked like in the time of his life, I have to say. So of the films we've just we discussed Oppenheimer at the top of the pod, I did read the very long history book upon which it's based, and I I did enjoy it, but it was very challenging. And I would say having oh, yeah. read the book. I really appreciated Chris Nolan's ability to make it concise and just draw out those little, those little moments that gave us the kind of the sense of the backstory. And also threading in the Strauss story with the, the Alamo, mm-hmm. with the uh, sort yeah. of Manhattan Project. I think actually having read just how big that book was and how everything was in it, I kind of appreciated Nolan's adapted screenplay more. I think if the, if you haven't read Alistair Gray's book on poor things, you absolutely have to because it's hilarious and so much of it is captured in the film, although the film very much is from Bella's point of view. So in the book, it's told, you know, you've got letters from Wed- Wedderburn and like all the other characters have voices too. So again, Lanthimos being very kind of female forward and has very much centered it on Bella, but it's really hilarious and just as outlandish. Like I watched the film and I thought this has to be all Lanthimos. But actually no, it's it's in the source material. So I would encourage people to read Poor Things too. Okay. Yeah, one
2: other thing I did want to say about Poor Things was I really appreciated the uh the supporting cast and how so many people were so supportive of Bella. You know, we the wonderful Willem mm. Defoe is this you know, he's, is this person who's, you know, reaching the end of their life and they're it gained a lot of perspective. You know, we hear these bits and pieces about how his father, the doctor experimented on him. And, you know, that's why his face is all cut up and why his digestive system is all bypassed and all this other weirdness about him physically. And in, and you hear him talk about it in a way that he's you know, really come to terms with all of it and learned how to, you know, um, Process it and make something positive about what he's doing, that he's not going to do this to other people. And, you know, they say very briefly at the beginning of the film that he had contemplated making Bella into, you know, basically his, a mistress, but that he very quickly is like, no, she's my daughter. And for him to very quickly have that perspective and yeah. have, well, to that's have him different already in the gone. In the, in,
0: in the book, he's not experimented on and he has just created a sex toy. So, Again, thing was oh, making it probably more profound and more interesting in some ways. Um, well, although, that's I mean,
2: good, and I, I yeah. like that. I like that change a lot, and the fact that then he, um, you know, is the one uh, that 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 Godwin is the one who's like, no, she's she's got to go out there and experience the world. This uh, this has to happen.
0: Yeah, um, mm. that that puberty and, has and, to
1: go. that particular, that particular <laughs> change came rather abruptly for me. That oh, was okay. it was yeah. like he was right because he was just like right before that they were like in the carriage you know like uh you know like you know like forcing her to pass out from her like toddler style tantrums but then mm-hmm. you know like just maybe it was it could maybe there was like a deleted scene somewhere that that didn't make it in but it, that explained
0: it or hmm. Okay. On to the next film. So only one nomination less is Killers of the Flower Moon, with ten nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director for Scorsese, um, supporting actress for sorry, actress for Lily Gladstone, supporting actor for De Niro, cinematography, costume, editor, film machine maker iconic editor, score, best song. I didn't even realize it had a song in it when I saw that, and production design, so 10, ten noms. Is this a film you've seen, Steph? Any thoughts on this one? Yes. Um,
1: you know, I'd say it's like a three, three and a half out of five for me. Uh, just that it was in the long department, and I had to go to the bathroom in the cinema. I loved the the, the way he just put in the background details. And, you know, so I caught in the cinema the first time that, you know, like, uh, Lily Gladstone's Guardian was uh, in the KKK, in their little parade, Mm, mm. after indigenous uh, military
2: mothers. So, um, I have actually not seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet, um, but I'll stick around for a little bit and just listen to you guys talk about it, because I would like to, and I might just pop
0: in with some questions. I think when I reviewed it, what I said was that... Um, I felt that if you're watching it at the cinema, which is what I did, that it's a three and a half out of five movie because it's just too long for the cinema. Like no one wants to sit there no matter how comfortable your seat is for that length of time. Your bladder can't take it, your attention span can't take it. And also the kind of the lack of discipline of having to do it for cinema audiences, because Martin Scorsese had all the Apple money and could just go as long as he wanted to, meant that I felt the story hadn't been edited properly and hadn't been pruned properly and really sagged in the middle. So, you know, broadly speaking, Killers of the Flower Moon is a very important true life historical story about how the Osage um, people were kind of swindled of their money and actually murdered for their money in the 1920s, 30s and 40s. And I just feel that there's a long period in the middle where Leonardo DiCaprio is poisoning his own wife, for heaven's sake, and it just gets very dull. But I felt that if I had been at home, maybe watching it over two nights and sort of self curating it almost as a miniseries, I would have thought it was much better so for me i don't feel like scorsese's made like an amazing amazing film for quite some time and this was not an amazing film i i feel that maybe it's getting nominations because of the very important subject matter i love that lily gladstone's getting a nomination was it one of my best actress performances of the year maybe not but i i hope she will win um she won't obviously but because I think Emma Stone will, but let's see. But to me, this was this is a film which I do not feel deserves 10 nominations. And it's got, as I said to Steph, it's got a supporting... It's got a nom for best song. I didn't even realize there was a song in it. So um, technically great. It's, it's Scorsese, so it's handsome and it's respectful, but I didn't find it that interesting. Um, Steph, how do you feel?
1: Um, I agree with Justin Chang from NPR, where he said, you know, it's just pretty obvious that Scorsese's really only interested in the white characters and then just, like what does that mean when, you know, like this is, or considering, you know, like the important subject matter or, but then it's just like, that's Scorsese's thing of, you know, just like he's, you know, like made so many mobster movies. And then this is
0: just yet another mobster movie in a coat of paint, in a different coat of paint. So. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, why is Bob De Niro getting a nom for this just because he's Bob De Niro? Like, get some imagination. I, uh, yeah. So, I find this a frustrating one to have 10 nominations. Julia, I would just, I mean, maybe see it at some point when it hits, you know, free streaming, freeze, freeze, stream streaming. But I just, yeah, I was a bit well, underwhelmed. If- I gave this three of out of five. Like, right. Yeah, I mean, and also, also there's like, like there's
1: what there's what this movie uncle- could be and then it's just like this like domestic thriller about, you know, just like from specifically Lily's perspective of just like all your family members start dropping dead and then just like it's you know, like they could and you know, like you just like slowly put the pieces together that it's your husband and his uncle. Doing that. Maybe
0: that would be too girly for Martin Scorsese. I don't know. But the psychological interiority of it would have been far more interesting than watching her just look quieter and quieter as she slowly poisons. I mean, I almost felt that you could have right. shot this as a, as, a, as a tight, sort of two hour, almost like a Roman Polanski paranoid thriller where this woman is being horrifically gaslit by a husband who she loves and he claims to love her. And yet he's killing her family. He's blowing up the house where her kids are staying. You know, like. I feel that mm-hmm. they really could have done the, done it as a very personal, intimate, nasty interior film and, and chose not to, evidently. So, yeah, kudos to Justin Chang for calling it out. But nonetheless, I mean, you just think Scorsese makes this film, this story that's so important gets told and maybe wouldn't have gotten told. So and Lily Gladstone gets some platform. So maybe this is this is OK and this is the way it had to happen. But. I, I found this unworthy of being the third most non-picture.
2: I just wanted to jump in and say it kind of sounds like it suffers from the same problem as The Irishman, where yeah, too it, much money, got, too it, long. <laughs> yeah, pick and, a and, lane. And of course, the, I, and of course, The Irishman was released uh, during the pandemic, and that was a perfect movie. Where, during lockdown, to stay up all night watching it, which I did, and it sort of sounds like he thought he could do that again. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 not, we're we're
0: films, they're miniseries. Like I watched The Irishman was the closing night. Like, film the london film festival the year it mm-hmm. came out it was pain it was literally physically painful to sit i just feel that mm-hmm. the stream is throwing so much money at people like scorsese has mm-hmm. given them latitude and they need to pick a lane make a miniseries, make boardwalk mm-hmm. empire or make a feature film and i respect we've talked about this julia i respect mm-hmm. ridley scott for making napoleon and saying two hours is the max that's it mm-hmm. um Okay, so on to Barbie, which is our fourth nominated film. Eight nominations, including Best Picture, Supporting Actor for Gosling, Supporting Actress for America Ferrara, Costume, two songs, so Competing Against Itself for I'm Just Ken and What Was I Made For, um, Production Design and Adapted Screenplay. Not Original Screenplay, which is a bit weird. So obviously this was very controversial because Greta Gerwig was not nominated for director and she was also... Um, we didn't get Margot Robbie nominated for Best Actress, and people were like, "Oh, Oscars so anti-feminist, and this is so ironic." But this is exactly what Barbie's talking about. Um, I'm gonna be really interested to hear what you you both think because for me, Barbie was a four out of five film. Thought it had a lot of great ideas, great songs. It was a lot of fun. It was really funny, but I didn't think it was like a masterpiece. I'm really super happy it made a bunch of money but to me eight noms felt if anything generous so i don't and to me it was ken's film so the fact that ryan gosling was the one who got nominated was absolutely fine by me how did you guys feel are you are you shocked and horrified and outraged that barbie didn't get more nominations mm-hmm.
2: Um, I guess it just matters a little bit less to me because, uh, I didn't get into the whole Barbie craze. I was more, you know, because of course the, the, the Barbieheimer, which was just an amazing, um, you know, moment of syncretism for, for marketing and just like a sort of cultural phenomenon that it felt like we all really needed this summer, this past Mm. summer. Um, but you know, For me, it was like a lot of it was just a lot of artifice, and it's like, guys, it's just a movie. At the end of the day, it's just a movie, and and if this is Greta Gerwig's capstone moment, the way the way it is for uh, um, for Chris Nolan and Oppenheimer, then I I I think she should be doing better.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would argue that her Little Women and her late and Lady Bird arguably were better than this from for pure direction. Exactly,
2: exactly. I just felt it was very feminism 101 and there was some things like, you know, we mothers, whatever that quote was, we mothers stand still so we can see how far our daughters have come. My mom never did that. She's always lived her, her own life and done what she wanted to. I'm sure that there are. I mean, like, I definitely have experienced seeing a lot of women who do do that for their children in general. But for me, it was just kind of like that's not a universal experience.
0: Like, it's also not feminism necessarily. I, I find I still find it weird to have this perfect Barbie. There's Margot Robbie, meant to be this figure of feminism? I just I find I found the whole project suspect. Um, and, and I do fact, love Margaret. Robbie. I think she's amazing. Yeah, I love I love Margaret, and she's obviously incredibly smart, and now incredibly rich. What's wonderful about these Best Picture nominations is Emma Stone was actually produced from Poor Things, so she's nommed for Best Picture. And Margot Robbie's nommed for Barbie as a producer, which is huge. But I kind of felt like from the feminism standpoint, both Poor Things and Anatomy of a Fool probably had more meaningful things to say about women in society than than Barbie did. So Mm -hmm. how about you, Steph? What what was your feeling?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd give it like a somewhere between a 3 and a 3.5 uh yeah you know i agree with julia that it's it felt like feminism 101 and you know like i've spent you know like half my life marinating on these subjects and i felt like it wasn't you know it, it wasn't what i needed to start thinking about these things and yeah it goes back to you know, right just like about like you know like the issue of like portraying still trying to have like Barbie but make it feminist for the new uh generations like you have plus size Barbies in the background but still in the main plot having cellulite is social suicide right so Barbie was a better movie than Oppenheimer, but, you know, it wasn't, like, an earth-shattering
0: masterpiece. Uh, and Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to, I like, think... hard disagree that it's a better film than Oppenheimer, but we can all agree that Poor <laughs> Things is better than Barbie, let's put it that way. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: and Anatomy but, of a Fall and Poor Barbie's Things are the more... Than... Yeah. Um, are, yeah, are the more meaningful films about women's experiences, about, you know, like, leaving that trifling lover that's, you know, your first time, or, you know, the the you know struggles of modern career and parenting and have, trying to have an equal partnership when the world just doesn't work out that way sometimes.
0: Agree, I uh, agree.
1: Or there was, I guess, as far as like the inside baseball of the awards stuff, you know, I think the being in the adapted category is the right choice because no one would have come out to see this film if it was not based on a pre-existing, yeah, idea. but Greta and
0: Noah were really pissed about it, right? Because they knew they had a better chance at the original screenplay. So, and, well, I, and I have, know, and, and, and i kind of loved seeing like the two people who I think have campaigned the hardest in the in the worst way for Oscars have been Bradley Cooper and Greta Gerwig. So they did have a sort of secret Chard and Freud-y happiness. They both weren't nominated for director or. Yeah, and, you know,
1: like, look, you know, like, I've seen Gerwig's other films, I've seen Marriage Story, but what you posted in the uh, Discord about, you know, just, like, how Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach got together that's just like, look, maybe there's a feminist discussion or look, look, I think in general, as a feminist thing, you know, maybe we should retire the term homewrecker, but there comes a point where you don't have to
0: be that person that someone who's determined to blow up their life is gonna do that with. I have to say, I mean, this—I can't see Greta Gerwig right because I love Jennifer Jason Lee so hard, and Fargo has just reignited my love for us, So So, um, hmm. yeah. Anyway, last time at
1: Ridgemont High was a little before my time, so I have—I don't know
0: <laughs> what I've seen her in, but. <laughs> Watch Fargo. Watch the season of Fargo. That's all you need to see. I, right. I did
2: just want to want to interject, uh, just in terms of like the competitiveness of you know uh, like who deserves what, etc. I, I I do still feel like this was just a really fun year for movies and and like mm. I just yeah like I just I just want everyone to get I just hope everyone has fun and everyone gets an award. I don't know. I just. Uh, you know, just like coming back to some level of normalcy in the world, despite other useful. conflicts and, yeah. and issues that have kicked off since the pandemic. You know, I mean, like this was just a really fun summer, and um, and and you know, a lot of like very like movies that also make you think. You know, I don't want to denigrate people who came to Barbie and it was it, when were able to think about these things or process them maybe for the first time or in a new way. You know, for just because the three of us are coming at it from a different angle of where, you know, maybe we, we've just learned more. We've just about it more in our own lives, our own educations, whatever, you know, if 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 for someone coming to this movie and this was the first time they really thought these thoughts, great. If that if that opened yeah. it up for them, oh yeah. You know, I think we we're not
0: denigrating them at all. I just think we're saying yeah. like, isn't it amazing that we're discussing whether Paul thinks Barbie or Anatomy are for full a better mm-hmm. articulating the position of women in modern I mean that's phenomenal, right? I mean it's yes, it's just exactly. an amazing yeah. clutch of films. It's 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 more and rather than instead of or denigrating for sure. Yes. Okay, so on to the next most nominated film with seven awards maestro the film about Leonard bernstein with bradley cooper carrie mulligan both of whom are nominated for best actor it's nominated for best picture but not director for bradley cooper and i bet he's really upset about that dp mm-hmm. matthew libertique uh it's partly in black and white very well deserved original screenplay sound and makeup interestingly a film with um another nom the only nom that film got was Golder and david Badil, who's a very prominent jewish british Comedian, but also wrote a phenomenal book called Jews Don't Count. Tweeted when this was nominated for makeup and Golder was nominated. Wow, two films were literally just nominated for Jew Face, so controversial. Bradley oh Cooper has has not has fought hard for nominations. Have either of you seen this film? And if so, what do you think? Does this deserve to be the fifth most nommed film?
2: So here so I haven't seen it. And I, I just it's just so sad. I feel so bad for Bradley Cooper because you can tell he this was his passion project. He wanted this so badly and and just really wanted to bring this story to life. And in every every sort of um yeah. A promotional thing I've seen around it is, is you know, talking about that passion and just how hard they tried to recreate, you know, some very specific historic moments and, you know, how much the, the, the children were just like, yeah, yeah, that parents were. And it just, it, it didn't really seem to resonate fully. No.
0: Yeah. Um, it, Steph, it, how about you? Have you seen Maestro? I haven't. Sorry. Okay. And that's fine. We'll make it very quick. I mean, all I would say is for me, this was a bit like Killers of the Flower Moon. I kind of admired it. I admired the performances, the the evident care of the historic recreation of costume and moment, but it fell flat for me. Um, I felt it was, yeah, just a very blah biopic. I didn't really get it. Um, and I love classical music. I, you know, it ends with a very wonderful sort of scene from Marla Two, one of my favourite symphonies. But it, to me, this was kind of like. You know, sometimes you watch a movie and it feels insincere, like it just feels like such award bait. And <laughs> it's just felt like that. So there it's you go. I would I would encourage you guys to watch it, but I don't think it's, to me, this is not in the same category as like Poor Things, Oppenheimer, Barbie. It's it's just not. And I will be upset if it wins anything. And I don't think it will. Okay, so then we have a far more interesting clutch film of films for us to talk about. Zone of Interest, Anatomy of a Fall, American Fiction, and Holdovers. These four films all have five nominations each. They are all what I would call smaller independent films that may or may not have found this kind of audience and recognition. And for me, these are all phenomenal. They're at minimum five-star films. For me, Zone of Interest is another level beyond. Um, Steph, do you want to give the five minutes of why people should watch Holdovers? <laughs> If he can okay. keep it to so <laughs>
1: Yes. Okay. So if you have seen Harold and Maud, this is Harold and Maud's more normal cousin. of same <laughs> themes of, you know, neglect and rich boy with mommy issues and the disciplinary problems. Uh, curmudgeonly Paul Giamatti, or you know, it's a it's a good Christmas movie for the rest of us. Good, curmudgeonly Paul
0: Giamatti learns the lesson of showing each other grace at Christmas. It's a it's a it's a Christmas film that will endure. I think of all of these films, as much as I love them, it's the one that we're both going to watch the most. Um, Yeah, this is
1: instant classic, you know, like put it in my Christmas rotation in the future. Uh, You know, this is the Christmas movie for those of us who have experienced loss, abandonment or estrangement from the people we love. And this is,
0: yeah, It's, it's a delightful film. And it's such a quiet, peaceful, slow burning, slow building film. Like I say, films, you know, you come into the these festivals and there are films that are really talked about, zone of interest, poor things. Holdovers just crept up on me. Even when I was watching it, I think it crept up on me. And oh, even, yeah. now, even now, four months later, five months later, it's the film that resonates.
1: Yeah, they they, they lie to you in the trailers too, which is a genius stroke because they, they think it, or they sell it to you as more of like a group of the
0: boys, like in the Dead Poets yeah, Society, okay. but it's... <laughs> <laughs> so The Holdovers is nominated for Best Picture, So Deserved, Actor for Paul Matti, Supporting Actor for Divine Joy Randolph, Editor, a bit surprising, and Original Screenplay. Um, Julia, did you see this one?
2: No, I want to though. I know my I parents do. watched it and they said it was really good. At first, you know, from from the trailers, I was getting the Dead Poets Society vibe. But Steph, now that you have said Harold and Maud, which a movie mm-hmm. it was a movie which I was made to watch as a teenager by my dad. <laughs> we're 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 all we're all a little bit of cinephiles in my family. Um mm. and and you know, as this was presented as something foundational that I had to see. So now that I know that it's more akin to that, I am much more interested. And I love Paul Giamatti. How can you not? How can, How can you
0: not? not? Okay.
2: so well, like, it, the- it,
1: doesn't, it doesn't have the absurdity of Harold and Maude, but it's the underlying emotional thrust and heart and... Yeah, it's Harold true. and Maud's normal cousin. It's
0: just delightful. It's just delightful.
2: So does um, the main character walk off and become a hippie as well? He could
0: in the future. I can see okay. that I down can the see line. That. But... OK, so on to American fiction, which was another five nominated film. It's also this small, tiny, little indie film up for best picture. Also uh, best actor for Jeffrey Wright, who I think we all love. Um, just oh, doing yeah. superb work over the years. Supporting um, actor for Sterling K. Brown. I'm so delighted he got that nom, I didn't think he would. Best score and adapted screenplay. Did either of you see this one yet? No. Okay, I'll just I give a little like summary so then. No, no, no. Unfortunately, not, not. i I
2: like.
1: I thought it was on streaming already, so I thought, oh, this weekend I'll catch it on streaming. So before I talk to Bina, like,
0: I'm, I'm gonna go. On I can gush and about say... American
1: Fiction. This seems like social satire, right up my
0: alley, though. So I'm gonna go out on a limb. So I think you're both gonna absolutely die laughing, but also be very moved by it. So it is a social satire. It's a satire about, you know, he's a black writer, Jeffrey Wright, and he's really annoyed that people are writing what he seems to be very sort of cliche-ridden, pandering fiction for white people who have a social conscience Mm. and want to be woke. And it's a really, really darkly funny film. But again, it suckers you in because you think it's going to be one thing and then it's another thing as well. And it's actually a very moving drama about family and people our age or slightly older who are dealing with parents who are are getting old, maybe getting dementia, like having to deal with parents when you as the child kind of become the adult in that relationship. Jeffrey Wright's brother, Sterling K. Brown, is kind of, dealing with that coming out of the closet and having a bit of a moment. And there's a lot going on as family drama un- underneath and alongside the social satire. I think to me, it was again, just a really surprising film, kind of an old fashioned film because it's just story and words and acting. And to me, it's a delight. This is Five Noms, so it's nom, so like holdovers. I think you guys are gonna love this. The other t- the other two remaining Five Noms films are Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall. Have either of you seen Anatomy of a Fool? Uh, no, yes. and I'm actually, I'm not
2: aware of it, but just you go ahead and, and go off. Go so off the, summary, so
0: the summary of this one is Sandra Huller, this amazing German actress, is a very successful writer. She's married to a guy who is a frustrated, less successful writer. They live in the sort of French Alps. Um, there is an accident. She is arrested by the police and put on trial for murdering um, someone. I don't want to spoil it. And the witness of her child is going to become very important. So it's a courtroom drama. It's done in three different languages, English, French, German. Language is a huge part of it. But the mm-hmm. real kind of like intellectual heart of it is when you're a successful career woman, how apologetic do you need to be to the guy who isn't? And when he's accusing mm-hmm. you of not giving him room and not supporting him and blah, blah, blah. Is that because you were domineering and ambitious and bossy and took the oxygen out of the room? Or should he have just tried harder? Was he just not good enough? So to me, the fact that, so this has been nominated for best picture like Barbie, but also best director. So Justine Trier got the actress nom. And she also got the screenplay nom that I think, you know, is very important. And I think that as a, she's a French director. And I think this is the kind of, for me as a working woman, this was the feminist film I wanted. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a great courtroom drama too. How about you, Steph? What did you make of it?
1: I, yeah, this is, like, five stars for me, uh, you know, if the dog vomits aspirin, you must acquit, but the, um, the, uh, yeah, I know, this is really just the film about the modern woman struggling to have it all, and, you know, what happens when, you know, just, like, as life happens, you know, success does not find both partners equally in the workplace, and, yeah, just, like, Around, you know, the entire, like, real struggle of the marriage, of, you know, their their son's accident, and debilit or, you know, and he's visually impaired as a result, and how much each spouse blames the other for the fact that it happened, and that's, you know, like, you know, the kid's a, that happened when the kid was a toddler, and now he's a tween, so, and about how those, you know, it's the It's that classic film this year about how resentments build up in a marriage over decades and with a refreshing feminist twist on it and... You know, it's, it is, you know, like for the film is pretty much from her perspective. So, you know, we never see her murdering anyone and it's rather hard to believe that she actually did murder someone, even while you're watching the film, but you are just like watching and wondering just like, does she really think that like, or right. It is just a matter of just like, you know, like you can understand the confidence of knowing that the truth is on your side, but then it's just like for her, like, you know, like, just wondering, like, is she, like, stopping and working the her lawyer by, like, mm-hmm. having a cigarette with him at late at night? Or does she just want a damn cigarette because she's on trial for murder?
0: I know. I have to say, this is a masterclass in acting from Sandra Huller, who plays the lead role in this. She is a German actress who I've seen for decades working in Europe, and I'm just so delighted she's finally having her moment with this film. Mm-hmm. I would encourage any of you to go watch this. It is... It's a trickier film. I think it's it's having the dialogue Barbie is also having in a different way, in a much more commercial mainstream way that Poor Things is having. Also, in its kind of crazy gonzo way, it's what a time to be alive. What a time to have these issues discussed in film, is all I will say.
2: And And then that's... Big year for women. Big year
0: for women. And that brings us to our final of the four five nomination films, which is Zone of Interest. Nominated for Best Picture, Best International Feature... Interestingly, France didn't put forward Anatomy of Fall for its uh, sort of entry for international feature. It should have done because it would have got that too. Directing for Jonathan Glazer, British director, came up through music videos. Best sound design, best adapted screenplay from uh, God Bless Him the Late, Martin Amos' novel. To me, like I said before, this with Poor Things and Oppenheimer was just on another level. Technically, audacity, um, searing, visceral, important, just all-encompassing picture um, set in Auschwitz in the family of Rudolf Hess's villa, that a very stylistic choice is made to never show the camp. So you only see the villa, the domestic life in the villa, but you hear the camp, you see the impact mm-hmm. of the camp on the kids, on the family. It is all around and you, you kind of see it askance, right? So it's an audacious film, it's a challenging film. It also stands Sandra Huller as Rudolf Hess's wife. Phenomenal performance. For me, she should have been nominated for both of these films. One as Best Actress, one as Best Supporting. I can't speak enough of this film. I think it's so complex. It's so searing. And we're in a moment, aren't we? We're in a moment of very blatant rising anti-Semitism. So I just feel always having the steady drumbeat of films that try and tackle anti-Semitism and the Holocaust are very important. Um, have either of you managed to see this one yet? I I need to. Um, I, you, need to I be, should... you need to gear yourself up for it, though, because... It's gonna punch you hard in the stomach. No,
2: that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, as it should, I right? It's
0: really... a Holocaust film. It should. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, I've I have not seen a Holocaust film in quite some time. Um, cool. How about you,
0: Steph? Have you managed to see this one? If not, it's on my list. Well, yeah. I would say as much as I'm confident you're both gonna love American Fiction, I think you'll both be provoked and fascinated by Zone of Interest. I just think it's okay. doing something so fascinating. And, and you know, you talked a lot about capstone movies, Julia. I've loved really? every single one of Jonathan Glaze's films. He makes them very infrequently. And I think this mm-hmm. is kind of like the coming together of so much. It's sort of, I really hope it gets international feature because I think it deserves it. Um, but Anatomy of a Four could okay. equally get it. This is a very strong clutch of four films. Like, you know, if you had Desert Island films and you could only have these four, I think it'd be a, a beautiful representative mix. Oh, easily, um, easily. And I just want to talk a little bit about the next one. So there's only one film with three nominations, and my friend Julia, mm-hmm. it is Napoleon. <laughs> oh and dear listener if you want to hear us talk wax lyrical about napoleon i will put a link in the show notes to the episode where we do just that it, it got nominated for best costume production design and visual effects which i think is all very well deserved and a film that i think was a little bit people were sniffy about it and laughed at a little bit including me i had my issues with it but three oh. nominations motherfuckers three nominations so ridley scott go ridley <laughs>
2: yeah 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 no I'm still I'm still waiting to see if uh we get that extended edition uh that you had
0: mentioned don't know the date yet but we will get it and then in the two nominations camp it's a lot of those that get sound and vfx but past lives beautiful film by Greta Lee first time feature film oh just again a wonderful small Song. indie film that has, has been nominated for Best Picture. So it's only got two noms, but Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. Um, how phenomenal is that? Have, have either of you seen this one? Um, I, I think uh, the director no. of Saline Song. Yes. Yeah. Gretel right.
1: is the, uh, the star actress. The uh, star. But, oh, yeah, uh, sorry got that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. First off, I haven't seen Napoleon to your voc about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe that Ridley Scott can deliver uh, a director's cut that's, you know, a cut above the the theatrical release, though. I agree.
0: (laughs) Um, But Past Lives, I'm just really pleased it's got some recognition. Mm. I think it it means Greta Lee will find it easier to finance her next film. Not Greta Lee, Celine Song. And that will be good good for the world. It will also be good for the world if Greta Lee gets more uh, parts because she was phenomenal. It's just a great film. Mm. I would encourage you all, go see Past Lives. A bit like all yeah. day, just really haunting. Like I've seen it a couple yeah. of times now. Um, really yeah, haunting. you
1: know, like, yeah, you know, like, I, you know, not an immigrant myself, I'm not from an immigrant family, but it's, uh, you know, it is really just about the road not taken and your, uh, you know, like regrets and, uh, you know, or just, you know, the tantalizing allure of what could have been. And, you know, I appreciate that, you know, they didn't go for, soapy melodrama but they just tried to you know just like really explore with coming to terms with your major life choices have consequences and they influence who you become and they influence who you end up with. So
0: yeah beautifully articulated stuff. Also in the two nominations camp we have Society of the Snow International Picture and Makeup. Really love that I think it's the best film made on the Andes um plane disaster. Really moving, really haunting, beautifully rendered. So, I'd encourage anyone to see that. It's on Netflix. Another Netflix film is NIAD, which um, got nominated for Best Actress for Annette Benning, who's never won. So, I think that's kind of like a you've had an amazing year. We're going to give you a shout out. And supporting actress for Jodie Foster, who, a bit like Mr. Wedderburn, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo, is just having the time of her life in this role. So, I was glad they both got nods, but it felt like it was more sort of, we're going to give you these nods because we really, really like you. And we
2: appreciate you. Yeah. It's uh, um, that recognition of, of what you're doing out there. And, and, yeah. Which, yeah I think that's a good thing to do yeah yeah absolutely um, I, oh, I just want to quickly just inter- interject it's been a really good year for A24 yeah um, I um, mean A24, they're a great yeah.
0: great studio right I mean they just produce yes. phenomenal
2: yeah past lives um poor things uh Iron Claw which didn't get nominated for anything but I would love to talk about and a future VOC if anyone anyone's
0: interested absolutely once I've seen it we can do that for mm-hmm. sure yes and yeah. then um, um, out the two norm camp were creator and mission an impossible dead reckoning one with two each for sound design and vfx so the big the yeah big um, i'm trying to see if it's impossible
1: anything. was a fun romp you know i'm not uh i'm not big into that franchise but you know like just it's an action film just sit back and <laughs> enjoy yourself
0: I, I i enjoyed it i had fun i mean i i, I take them for what they are um maybe yeah. one nom because there's a lot of things that get one nom Maybe worth giving a shout out to the actor Coleman Domingo, who got nominated for Best Actor for Rustin, which is also a Netflix really important story about a gay civil rights leader. Um, Phenomenal performance, really happy he got nommed. Um, Danielle Brooks for The Colour Purple, which is not a film I enjoyed actually, but I'm glad to see her get nominated for it. We also get... Cinematographer Ed Lackman, nominated for El Conde, which is a great film about Pinochet in Chile, black and white, well worth watching just for cinematography. Um, so those were the ones I just wanted to point out with one nom. I thought the other one that was quite interesting was oh. uh, Indiana Jones getting nommed for one for score. So that was kind of interesting in the one nom category. May, December, which I think people might have thought would get more Todd Haynes starring um, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, only got a non-for original screenplay, which I feel is right, because I just was very disappointed in that film. Right, and with that film,
1: it's always or I haven't seen it, but it is, you know, like, you know, back to the inside baseball is just like, how much is the subject matter, like, working against it? Or, you know, like, again, I haven't seen it, I don't know, but then like, then it's just like at some point, you know, like maybe that's, you know, like overall a better thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, May December is, for people who don't know, it's the story of a woman who was a high school teacher, seduced one of her students when he was very underage, served time in prison for it. But when she gets out, they get married and have kids who are now grown and going to college. And that woman is played by Julianne Moore. And then into her life comes Natalie Portman, who's a famous Hollywood actress who's going to make a movie of the story. And so Natalie Portman's character is kind of shadowing Julianne Moores and trying to learn from her and observe from her. So, as with all Todd Haynes films, it's kind of like a female melodrama. I I really struggled with it. I love both of those actresses. I love Todd Haynes, actually, but this one fell a little bit flat for me. But it's interesting that it was really that snubbed, snubbed, snubbed. (laughs) I was surprised they only got one. I thought maybe they would have thrown one out to sort of like Portman or more. Portman's actually really amazing. She's got a monologue, straight character, character, camera, at the end of the film. That's really phenomenal. So...
1: Yeah, um, another film that's, I I, I mean, I guess it's, or it has at least one nomination, uh, The Boy and the Heron. It's the new film by Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. Uh, I'm not big on an auteur's circle jerk about their body of work wrapped in the magic of cinema. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it is uh, is poignant, uh, you know, like (laughs) author tract about escapism and... Uh, you know, telling people to, you know, like maybe just like stop, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, just like uh, using his work to
0: distract from their real life <laughs> problems. But I would imagine Spider-Man across the Sp- Spider-Verse will win uh, animated feature. And I would imagine of the docs, I've seen all of them. I would imagine 20 Days in Mariupol will justifiably win Best Doc. Um, I didn't cover the shorts. Not because I don't love all of you guys who were into shorts. We just didn't have the time. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining this Whistle Stop tour. I know I kind of moved us through so fast, but I had a hard stop. Thank you for joining. And I just want to say to all of you out there, let us know if you like this episode and if you want us to talk about more films, because we love films. So we're happy to talk about them. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and I feel like I need to see more movies because it sounds like yeah, you know, like we've already said this was a great year for movies. So I'm definitely going to go back and watch some of the ones
0: that were talked about uh, just now. The good news is there's not going to be much this summer because of the strikes last year. So you can spread them out, right? They're all on streaming, so you can sort of yeah. you can you can drip feed yourself some amazing films. I think 23 yeah. is really one of those years. 2016 was another one. It was a fine vintage for cinema, and especially female centered cinema. So.
2: Um. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So that means, well, because of the strike, we can just focus on the one movie that really matters coming out, and that's Dune Part Two. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely! <laughs> Tickets already
0: booked. <laughs> okay, folks. It was lovely to talk to you. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend, and I'll speak to you all soon.
2: Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. bye.